Um, yeah, I suppose today is, is one episode, and it's a cliffhanger episode, and, and there's much in the waiting, and there's nowhere to go, and I, I will definitely miss your meditations, David, yeah, and, and really all of you. Yeah, today is a bit hard because, yeah, I'm leaving a place that I've, I've grown to love and to appreciate. Um, I've left other jobs in the past, but not under the same circumstances. <laughs> um, I, it feels like you know, a departure, and I'm moving to a different state, and it feels like a major kind of life transition. And so I'm carrying with me mostly gratitude for the last six years. And um, yeah, I, I never imagined, I think when I left the church world, the evangelical church world, I thought I would leave also the world of teaching because, let's face it, I didn't have a lot of other experience in, in uh, that experience that I could draw on. And, and, and I really loved teaching, but I was willing. I was willing to let that go. I was like, I have to go move on with my life. And I have to um, make a choice, like in that myth. And, and not knowing, you know, I'm not actually sure what to make of that myth. There's like the choice of the, of the known and then the mystery of the unknown just hangs around all the time. And, and that's what I was doing. I was making a choice. I have to leave and kind of just walking with the mystery of not knowing what's going to happen. But I didn't imagine I'd find a community that I could, you know, be a part of and, and continue teaching. And so I'm just so grateful. And I didn't know you existed. That's the funniest part about... Um, to me, about my, my own uh, relationship with this place. It just came up, thanks to Rod Van Abamo, who sent me an email um, and invited me to come and be a guest here. So I guess what I want to do in the few minutes here is kind of share what it's been like for me to be here and, and maybe even <laughs> to try to describe what it is I think I've been up to. <laughs> um, and a little bit about, I think, what I found valuable. And maybe just a tiny bit of what I hope you'll continue to do moving forward. Um, the first thing I want to say is that teaching here has felt like a conversation. That's the most important and profound thing. And that's been unlike any other kind of teaching environment I've been in. Part of that is just the structure itself. Like, we have pre-talk, and we talk about whatever I'm going to talk about, but we talk about it. And then, then I give the talk, and then there's post-talk, and we talk about whatever I was talking about. And so there's a structural component to it, but it's gone much deeper than that, just the formalities of circles. And it's moved into a kind of weaving between your life and my life and between ideas and values and, um, and stories. And 
that's, it's like a living thing. The, the content of this place is a living thing, like a conversation is a living thing. And, and I mean it quite seriously that I, I hope you've learned something from me over the last six years, but I have definitely learned from each of you. Probably one of the most important things that I did in the first few months of taking this job is I had this like standing lunch at the office that you could just drop by, anybody could drop by. And, and that was the first time I got to hear little stories like, how did, I wanted to know, how did you end up at C3? And guess what? You're not all the same, you know? And you have wildly different, diverse backgrounds and relationships with church or no church or Christianity or no Christianity, and you found your way here for one reason or another. Um, and I found that kind of profound and interesting, and that's when I started to sort of see behind the just the initial impressions of this place, and I guess I want to thank you for sharing bits and pieces of your life, and that's also what comes up in the pre-talk and post-talk, and not just ideas, but I don't know, your own experience, and that has shaped me, your own wounds and heartaches and hopes and um, the kinds of things you care about and how you're oriented in the world and your commitment to service and to serving this part of the world and the world more generally has been inspiring to me. And, um, and I, I want to say that I think C3 should exist in the world. And f if for any other reason, that it's a, it's a place where I guess I would call it spiritual conversations can happen and they can, it can feel like an unfolding. It can feel like a, an ongoing conversation. And the community part of that is what's so powerful. I don't think spirituality, I mean, it always has a private component, you know. Um, there's always, you never get away from the solitary nature, at least of a dimension of the spiritual life. And we're all going to die. It's a common theme I remind us of. Um, but we're not meant to carry the questions of meaning just by ourselves. And it's, C3 has felt like a place that we can carry that conversation together. And um, so it matters. And um, I don't know. I was even thinking a bit about our own values. I think it's a great experiment, kind of like what David was hinting hinting around about our different iterations and the kind of audacity embedded in that. Like, hey, let's try something. Let's drop all doctrine statements and just have values. Okay, let's see how that goes. And, and here you are. And, and even the values themselves, they're to be in, they're, they're to be in relationship with. They're, to, they're part of a, the conversation. My hope is that the values that you share that are on the website <laughs> don't become like, just a set of beliefs or doctrines. Like, oh, we just say we believe these things, but they're things that give us trouble as much as kind of act as a compass to point toward things like common humanity and diversity and open inquiry and compassionate action and environmental sustainability and well-being. Don't let them, those be doctrines, but something worth wrestling with that is challenging and Okay, that was my first point. Um, the second thing I want to say here is you've allowed me to be me, <laughs> to explore. 
And if you haven't noticed, that's what I've been doing. And, and sometimes I explore things that I'm actually just really exploring. They're on kind of the edge. And maybe you feel that a bit like, oh, he's kind of doesn't, he's barely hanging on here. And he barely knows what he's talking about. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that's been quite amazing for me. I felt that kind of freedom. And you've also given me the freedom to push. And I've tried to push, not because like I have some axe to grind, but because I think the kinds of questions that we've been wrestling with here are really profound and important, and they push against stuff. Like even the, the um, for example, the kind of right-left divide that is so captivating the entire world. Like, choose a side, turn everything into us versus them. I've tried to say, wait a minute, not so fast here. What do we mean by common humanity? What do we share in common? Do we want to be playing the exact same game of us versus them? Translation, I'm right and moral and everyone else is immoral and wrong. You know, there's a time and a place to, to, to take a stand for certain things, and I'm not against that, but I've tried to push on that, and you've allowed me to do that, really. And, and also, I, I, you know, it's not just, I'm just, not just doing it for fun. I'm, most of the time when I'm, when I'm up here talking, I'm also talking to myself. And you don't want to become, and I don't want to become, a fundamentalist in whatever camp I think that I'm in. But to let those walls soften a little bit and to look at the other. We claim to care about the other and how far does that extend. And I don't know. Those are some of the things that, I don't know, you've let me explore and, um, you know, if I can say it even more simply, there is a place and a time for tradition, for old values that are hard won. There's a time and a place to even conserve. And there's a time and a place to push and uh, a time and a place for openness and the challenging of rigid structures. And I just think if those two things can remain in tension, then you're really in a very fruitful place. You're in that place of possibility. Between the cow and the what. Something like that. Um, and I hope you'll remember that's been one of the things I've been up to here. And I hope you'll in, uh, find a way to be in relationship with that moving forward. Here's something else that I've been up to. I've tried to maintain a relationship with the great religious ideas and symbols. Partly because I'm just in relationship with them. <laughs> I'm not even trying all that hard. But I've, tr I've tried to maintain a relationship, and I've tried to say it's important to be in conversation with the great religious ideas and symbols and stories. You've let me be very critical of religion, like particularly my own past. Maybe that's the thing that, that all of us can be critical of, you know, in our own way. It's hard to be critical of something we have no idea, we have no relationship with. But you've let me be critical on the one hand and also find deep meaning on the other, like critical one day and, and a fan the next. And I just have so appreciated that. Um, it's been amazing, actually, to teach in a place where I didn't have to check some box of 
doctrine or a belief box. No one gave me this test on the way in, in case you were wondering. But that, it, it's funny because, well, maybe this is a sub-theme of a sub-theme. I'm also quite attracted to paradoxes, so I'm about to say something that is a bit of a paradox. It's funny because saying we have no doctrine sounds like a wide open field. But you know what else can happen in the wide open field? You can be totally lost <laughs> and not know where to stand. You know, like Archimedes, you need a lever and a place to stand and you can move the world. So it's kind of like this been this back and forth a bit. And, um, but I have appreciated the kind of ground and open field that you've provided here. And, but I've also tried to say that the great religious ideas and symbols still matter. And, and, in my, and in my view, even though the statistics say the fastest growing group are the people with no religious um, affiliation, and, and I, it's not like I'm arguing with the statistics, religion isn't going anywhere, largely because of what I think of as a kind of inner compass toward meaning, that we have a religious instinct. We're pour, pulled toward questions of ultimate meaning. And part of that wrestling match also involves wrestling with the great traditions and stories and myths and legends and teachers and mystics and saints and poets and prophets and whoever else. Crazy people. So thanks for letting me roam around in that territory. Um, maybe what else do I want to say about that? Not that much, other than I think we need the wisdom of the past as much as we need fresh, innovative, creative whispers from the muse. Something new, in other words. Mm, here's maybe one more thing. It's just my opinion. I think we're in the middle of something like, and I, I mean this kind of metaphorically, a kind of great reformation of ideas, or it might even be, better said, a great reckoning. And religious institutions, ideology, politics, ethics, morality, global, geopolitical concerns. I mean, it's, there's, some, there's something like a great reckoning happening. And part of that reckoning is what is crumbling and fading and what's left or what's going into the ground and what's being born. And I just want to encourage you to remain in that kind of liminality, that kind of in-between space. And you have, as a community, your own responsibility, as, as I do, to sort through things. What stays, what goes. Or like, like the myth of Psyche at Arrow, Psyche has to sort the seeds. And it feels like an impossible task, but it's something like that. We live in an era of seed sorting. Or to use a biblical image, the winnowing fan where you throw up the seeds in the air and the wind blows the chaff away, what's unnecessary and what you have left are the kernels of meaning and truth. We're in that kind of era. And I want to encourage you to keep going in your own seed sorting. Two more things, and then a poem. Surprise, I'm going to have a poem. I've also tried to maintain pretty consistently, I guess what I would call a belief in the soul. That 
that makes me sound old-fashioned. And I've tried to describe the soul in 2,500 different ways, <laughs> kind of sometimes overtly, sometimes subtly. Um, and that part of what makes us deeply human is the soul. And what would I say about it right this second? I mean, every single person in here has a kind of wild, unique essence, a way of relating to the world, a certain shape. You are born into the world with a certain shape, and that shape matters. It's how you orient and navigate. It's your way of being in relationship is the simplest way I, I can put it. The soul is your unique way of being in relationship. But for one reason or another, in my view at least, universally, we tend to lose contact with that. You know, because life is hard and community is hard. Family is easy, but life is hard. <laughs> no, I mean, like all of the things that make life difficult, we have coping strategies and hang-ups and wounds and stories that we've been telling ourselves and stories that no longer work, and they, they, they cover up, in a way, those unique seeds and somewhere down in the very essence of your being. And, I'm, and I've been trying to say, that process of recovery matters. And that's kind of what, what I think the great poets and mystics are hinting around about. You know, it's like what Thomas Merton calls the true self. I've, made, I've tried to maintain a belief in that for my own sanity, but also I look out here at all of you and I think, yeah, there, there are seeds of the true self here present. And more of that, please. and More shedding of our hang-ups and stories and less shining through, of, I mean, and more shining through of your own wild, unique essence. And Anyway, it's a drum that I just keep beating. And I hope you heard it from time to time. And I hope it will resonate and call forth from within you more of your own stance in the world. Because the stance, the, the place that you take up and inhabit, your way of relating into, thing, into the world matters. And that's your gift. You know, people wonder about their gifts, and almost, it's almost as simple as your own shape. The space that you take up is your gifting. And I hope you'll keep going on that wild journey. Here's a PS to that. <laughs> Without contact with the soul, we tend to run after whatever group makes us feel good. And first of all, we have to admit we do that from time to time. We run after whatever group makes us feel good. Like whoever affirms me, and likes me, and puts thumbs up on my posts or whatever. And okay, we're all susceptible to that, and that too has a place. I mean, sometimes you got to find your people, and I'm not against that, but I think without contact with the soul, with the deep self, that's all we end up doing. Who's in my tribe? And that makes the world more dangerous in a way, in the long run. Um, And I think if we've tasted, I guess what I would call, a deeper ground of being, and the more, then from that place we can more deeply serve the world, I think. Show up in the world and be of some service and make a difference. 
so that when we're gone, people will say, well, they did a pretty damn good job being themselves and showing up in the world and being an authentic and real person. Okay, here's the final thing I want to say, because here's the question I was trying to carry today. If I could describe the essence of C3, how would I do that? Like people, and you're probably like me, people ask me what, what, what C3, and then you, you sort of have the feeling of, I don't really know where to start, you know, I'm not really sure what to say, and so here are things that I've tried. It's a non-church church, and that works for a lot of people, they're like, oh. And then they don't say anything afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes I just abandon that and say it's a small church. And then if they ask, um, well, what kind of church is it? I'll say, well, it's a church that has no doctrine and um, n- no set beliefs. And there are people who are religious and non-religious. And then they're usually like, oh. <laughs> but that really doesn't get me close to the essence. That's just, you know... I don't know, that's just struggling with how to talk about a a place like this in a cultural landscape. But here's, for me, here's the way I would describe it. That C3 is about and has been about the pursuit of meaning. That's the way I would describe it. Like, what are we doing every week having these conversations and talking with one another and interacting and wrestling with things and listening to good music and listening to meditations. For me, at least, it, it has felt like the ongoing pursuit of meaning. What is a meaningful life? That's not all that new of an idea. I mean, it, it's a version of what the Greeks called the pursuit of the good life. You know, what they meant really was a life of meaning. And that's, to me, why I think C3 should be here in the world and in West Michigan, to continue that honest and open pursuit of meaning. What do we mean by a a meaningful life? (laughs) What is the what of a meaningful life? And to let that that, um, problem plague us and call to us and, you know, lure us in and and how would we know if we're pursuing a meaningful life? Well, it requires a kind of conversation, like I said at the beginning. It's not just a question of private tastes. Um, I mean, I think on the one hand, there's some truth that you can make meaning. Like, you have some choices in your life. You can step toward something you think is meaningful. On the other hand, I think meaning is often something that we just bump into. It's like, oh, there it is. Like, you set your compass toward north, toward meaning, and you bump into it. And it sort of occurs to you when you're, I don't know, oriented in this way or trying to orient your life in this way. I don't know. It's like like meeting a long-lost friend or a, I don't know, a, a spot in the forest where everything is in its right place. And you just bump into it like your drive in. Like, there it is. Yep, life is meaningful and beautiful and mysterious. And Anyway, that's what I think we've been doing. And if people ask, what's C3 about? I'd say it's about pursuing a meaningful life. And why don't you come and join us and be a part of that conversation and contribute to that conversation. Um, 
Let me see if there's anything else I want to say. <laughs> Maybe because you brought up um, Rilke, it sort of turns my, gets the wheels going here. Um, I think part of the pursuit of meaning is about recovering questions or recovering the right enough questions. What's David White say? Um, questions that have no right to go away. Yeah, let's pursue those. The questions that have no right to go away, and then, and then what, what, what would we do when we find them? Then the wrestling match begins. Like the Rilke poem with the man wrestling the angel or the woman wrestling the angel, and let's get pinned to the earth with these questions. And that's actually what talkback has felt like from time to time. You know, I'll give a little talk, and then someone in there will wrestle me to the ground and then wound my hip, you know? <laughs> I'll wound yours too, you know? But there is a little bit of that. It's like, um, yeah, let's, let's put it in the cauldron and, and let our, our individual stories and perspectives um, shape one another. And let's enjoy it as a wrestling match, a wrestling match that is about pursuing meaning. And if we're lucky from time to time, recovering little tastes of um, truth, we might even say something that seems true. So I don't know. I guess it's, I'm trying to say, I hope something I've said here causes you to limp. <laughs> and, uh, and certainly things that you've shared with me have caused the same. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just grateful. So I want to end with a poem. It's a pretty new poem for me. and what My wife shared it with me the other day. <clears throat> it's a sub-theme of sub-theme. It's a, it's a poem that brings me back to the question of the soul and to the ground of one's own being and to the, to the terrain of, of, um, of connection. Notice what Wendell Berry says here. Standing ground. However just and anxious I have been, I will stop and step back. However just and anxious I have been, I will stop and step back from the crowd of those who may agree with what I say and be a part. However just and anxious I have been, I will stop and step back from the crowd of those who may agree with what I say and be a part. There is no earthly promise of life or peace but where the roots branch and weave their patient, silent passages in the dark. Uprooted, I have been furious without aim. That's what the last two weeks have felt like for me. All that's going on in the world, I have been furious without aim. I am not bound for any public place but for ground of my own. I am not bound for any public place, but for ground of my own, where I have planted vines and orchard trees, and in the heat of the day, climbed up into the healing shadow of the woods. It reminds me of um, a Mary Oliver line, no matter how lonely you are, the world offers itself to you, to your imagination. 
Better than any argument is to rise at dawn. Better than any talk I've ever given at C3. Better than anything you will read, certainly better than anything that's on your phone. Better than any argument is to rise at dawn and pick dew-wet berries in a cup. Thanks for listening to me.